Welcome to the Everyday Problems podcast, a podcast about the everyday challenges we face as regular human beings. Through the series, we aim to discuss stress, depression, grief, redundancy, anxiety, homelessness, and more. This week's episode is a follow-on conversation from the previous episode recorded in June 2020. And before we start with this episode, both Tom and I felt we should acknowledge the current climate that we make reference to in our conversation. It's been three weeks since George Floyd's appalling murder. The issues raised are deeply important to us at Everyday Problems. Not only are we shocked and saddened by this horrific loss of life, but also reminded of the parallels to similar events here in the UK, be it the death of Mark Duggan, the investigation into Stephen Lawrence's murder, or countless other examples of lives lost and destroyed by racism. We have so much to learn and so much to do to end this awful chain of events. We must all take responsibility to be proactively anti-racist. This will mean pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zones, going beyond performative acts of solidarity to engage with local, national and global movements that challenge the fundamentally racist structures and institutions of our society. We need to learn, educate, donate and act to build towards eradicating the global pandemic of racism. Enough is enough. Black Lives Matter. There are a number of initiatives and organisations who are committed to combating racism. We've added a selection of these in the programme notes for this episode. This is where we're starting our own education, so it may be a good starting point for you too. For now, we hope that you enjoy this week's episode of the Everyday Problems podcast. Thank you, Liam, for that highly appropriate intro. I just wanted to add a quick technical note before we get started. This is the first episode that we recorded during lockdown, and you will notice as you go through, we had a few problems with things like microphones and some of the other recording gear. We'll make sure we get it better for next time, but for now, please excuse the odd bit of echo and uh, and slight oddity in the sound. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello. Hello. How are we doing? Yeah, uh, good. It's, <laughs> it's a very strange time, isn't it? Um, and Yes. And it's strange to be asked that question on a podcast that very much is all about how you're doing, where just saying, yeah, fine, isn't quite going to cut it. There's a little bit deeper than that. Um, I'm, I'm very good today, but it's been a very strange time. And there's been a lot of feelings up and down in between now and the last time we, we, we spoke. How are you doing at the moment? Yeah, I'm good. Um, getting sort of getting used to working from home constantly has been has been challenging. There's there's definitely been a sort of journey over the last like a a kind of curve over the last twelve weeks where because of the nature of my work, the first probably month of it was really full on yeah um that sort of subsided a little bit and uh, and there's a bit less pressure on thankfully in terms of the amount of work that that i need to do and, and being able to get back to doing my kind of day-to-day job but with that has, has come a, a sort of inevitable low um and yeah my motivation levels have gone down right. quite a lot i found out quite hard to keep motivated and i think a lot of that is down to you know i, I live with with um, my girlfriend and we don't have family particularly close by so she, up until yesterday she's 
probably like the only person that I've spent any decent amount of time with over yeah. the last three months. So yeah. it feels like quite a long time from that point of view. Yes. I um yeah, that that's that's a really good point because I think that um when we're very fortunate, both you and I, to be to, well to for a start to be living with somebody so at least it's not just your own company yeah um, imagine that. well exactly and I'm, I'm someone who i think i do reasonably well in my own company but there is a limit to it and uh, we're very fortunate to be with people who we i think i speak for us both when i say who we find interesting and who seem to find us um relatively interesting to certainly tolerate us um, yeah, but <laughs> tolerate's probably the right <laughs> word. <yeah. laughs> but um, but of course, when when that person is the only person that you're seeing all the time, that's that's really quite difficult, isn't it? And I know that I mean part of the reason that Car and I are still together after 17 years, or uh, I think um, been married for 10 years in September. And part oh. of the reason, of course, is that we do have lots of things in common, and we do have similar views uh, on on things, but. We are also human beings, and that means that we are not going to be 100% on the wavelength on 100% of topics 100% of the time. And I know that with the, the world in the crazy state that it is, through many of the stuff that, you know, many of the things that are going on, it's politically a volatile world at the moment, health-wise, you know, and uh, and what's been going on certainly at the time of recording it in, I was going to say in the media, but it's not just the media, is it in the world which has come to the, come into focus around um, racism and and our treatment of that. So it's been a really fraught time. So I think it is it's a mm. difficult time even for the the people who get on like a house on fire and uh, and you know it's hard. It's 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 really hard, and we haven't found it easy all the time. Yeah, it's difficult, and there's no rest from it. I think that's what's that's what I've found um, difficult. That even when you're talking to other people, um, you know, the, like the the COVID thing, it, it, it's been all all I've spoken to really up until up until the last week. Yeah, and it feels like they, there's kind of no. It's difficult to switch off from it. Yeah, because you speak to someone who you know speak to one of your mates or your family, and you haven't spoken to them for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. But it's it's the only you know, it's the biggest thing that's affected us kind of generationally, I suppose. So absolutely, um, it's yeah, it, it, it's all that it's all anybody's thinking about and talking about, and it's it's quite exhausting. Absolutely, I, I think that that's the thing, isn't it? it we we haven't specifically yet um, mentioned what today's episode is um, is to cover which is we, we wanted to revisit the topic of our first episode which is depression dealing with depression that we put together quite some time ago but which has only recently gone live finally but mm. i think that actually what we're discussing here i mean we are talking you you never get away from mental health by definition your brain has a tendency to be with you wherever you are but I think right now, all the things that we're talking about, all of these these day to day stresses and, and that that feeling of isolation. I mean, it, it's really tough being someone. It's really tough being a human being right now, I think. And if you are someone who is prone to low mood conditions, then it, it's going to be doubly hard. I mean, I don't know about you. I, I sort of when when lockdown first came into when it came into play, I 
initially thought that I was going to be pretty cool. I, I was fairly laid back. Obviously, it goes without saying that I was upset about the fact that it's it's because of a pandemic and a killer virus, which is, you know, I'm, I'm stating the obvious here. But being someone who I'd actually just left my job, I'd just been made redundant right before this happened, the lockdown began. And I was looking forward to some time on my own. And indeed, the things that I wanted to pursue in my life were creative things. I'd be working from home. And I thought, well, it's not going to make a huge amount of difference. And, and maybe even this is some recovery time that I needed. Maybe I do get to have a few duvet days with some good movies and stuff. And actually, you know, maybe the universe is kind of thinking entirely selfishly. Maybe there's elements of this that I could see as a gift. Maybe I need this time for recovery. But as time's gone on, I've found it increasingly that the monotony is very mm. difficult and the not having different stimulation each day. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. I've got a house, I've got a garden, I've got someone to talk to. There's some cats to entertain me and we've got places to walk. I'm, I'm endlessly gifted in terms of my surroundings, but it's still bloody hard work doing more or less the same thing today as, as I did yesterday, as I did the day before that and so on. And this is what we're all feeling. And I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that. Well, that I mean, that was one of the things that I, I was really keen to sort of um, talk about with you was was how you'd managed that change in your in your work and kind of personal situation. And I, and I guess in a in a large part, how that how that has then impacted on your mental health, particularly if if maybe you've got a somewhat reduced support circle of mm -hmm. people that you'd normally spend time with uh, and have contact with either through work or just through being able to go out and do things. Yeah, that's that is a really good question, and the I tell you what the 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 transition that you go through when you leave a job of 10 years in a very corporate environment. So I was working for a company in which there were 400 people-ish in the building that I, if I was going into the office, um, that's that's the office I would get, 400 people around me, um, managing a team of four um, in, a, in a wider company of around 4,000 people. So there's an endless network of people to, to talk to about stuff and for the benefit of the tape I was um, I was faced with the option of redundancy at the start of the year which I actually decided to take because I had some time ago began to feel unhappy in that job and I, I left under happy circumstances I it was I didn't like the fact that it had come to the point of being offered redundancy that the company was having to do that very mixed feelings about that which I think is automatic with redundancy and that's perhaps a topic that we'll cover in another session and we've discussed that before um, but for me personally what that then did I mean it's really difficult now knowing how much of the feelings that I had afterwards are attributed to redundancy and how much they are attributed to lockdown because what essentially happened was I went from having that network of up to 4,000 people to having a network of Cara and the cats and social media which I'm not convinced is a good thing uh not I mean the social media bit not being a good thing the other guys are great <laughs> um <laughs> better get that in there um 
We can edit that out, Tom. <laughs> the power. Um, so, I mean, in terms of how that fitted, so I, I guess I was expecting, because I'd, I'd been, I can say this now, it's not like they can fire me, I'd, as much as I didn't fall out with anyone and I've got so much love for the guys I was working with and I did have love for the job I was doing for, for quite a long time, but come the end of it, I was itching to get out of there. So I was just really excited and I, and I, I went from... The, the past couple of years had been particularly busy for the company, particularly stressful for me. I went from that to suddenly having no one to be answerable to but myself each day. And initially, I mean, it's just, I can't, I can barely describe it. I was mentally so much healthier for being out of a system that I knew that I wasn't supposed to be a part of. And that, that was a really powerful thing for me. I sort of knew that it wasn't going to be as simple as that and that I would go through a, a loop of different feelings and that's exactly what happened. So redundancy, again, I don't want to segue too far into this because I think this is, is worth a whole discussion in itself, but redundancy by nature is a company saying to you, we don't need you. And even if you're happy about what, what happens next you have to deal with that no longer being needed and it feels like even though it's not intended this way it does feel like being sacked and it does feel like being under unappreciated unloved and as it goes I would say my company dealt with it as well as any company would there were certain people within the organization who are part of the process who were fantastic I left without any fallouts, like I say, and ultimately I, I was offered a different job if I wanted it, but I didn't want that job. So I chose redundancy, which was the only other option for me. So it's kind of a fine line between losing my job and deciding to, to leave. What I'm, what I'm trying to put across is that, and I've spoken to lots of other people who've been made redundant, you get this automatic feeling that comes with it of upset, it's a negative feeling. It's an entirely horrible dip that you go through. And I think it's yeah. automatic and it's inevitable. And I knew that was coming, but knowing it was coming didn't stop that from happening. So I did go through that. Then It's I... a massive change as well, though, isn't it? Because, oh, yeah. you know, like you say, you've been there for 10 years. So it's your, it's your kind of default pattern of behaviour and um, yeah. you know, regulation of how you use and manage your time. Absolutely, has, has gone. So even even if you take away the what you're doing in that time, just as a as the, the structural change of ten years of a certain way of operating to then yeah. not be able to do that is has got to have a massive impact. Oh, absolutely, and and actually that's the thing is that the the effect of the redundancy bit in itself is temporary. Then you come out the other side of that and you go back to remembering. Oh yeah, great. This is. This is what I wanted. Oh, you know, in, in some cases when people go through redundancy, perhaps it isn't what they wanted. But for me, it certainly was. But you're absolutely spot on. I think what happens after that is you are left permanently um, in a situation where you previously had a list of jobs given to you by a boss and you you move through those tasks and, and you Cross, you put you file those finished emails in a box so you know that you've done them and you you, you get performance managed you know so you, you are understanding 
whether it's a couple of times a year or once a month or once a year, you know, how, how are you doing? Mm. Um, we've got all these indications that say where, where you fit in terms of your productivity and things like that. And, and while all of that is going on, you've got a salary coming in and what, what's, what's different when for me and, and, you know, again, this is largely a choice that I made. So I'm not, so I, I entered into this freely for the most part I don't have those guidelines anymore and that's been difficult especially when when you leave a corporate situation to explore more creative things that you that will ultimately make you happier the flip side of that is that you don't have any way anymore really of defining whether it's been a good day or a bad day except to look at whether you enjoyed doing it or not and actually I found that had a had a weird effect where the the more some days the more I've enjoyed so if I'm if I'm I'm currently writing a book and I'm working on a podcast which is, is we're recording as we speak and I'm also working on some musical things I enjoy doing all of those things but to spend a day where I call the shots I get to choose my coffee breaks I decide when I've finished writing and I want to move on to podcast stuff and and at the end of it I'm I've enjoyed all of that. I have this horrible feeling of guilt of like that. That doesn't feel like a proper job. And to mm. prove it, there's no longer a salary coming in. Yeah. And, and and actually that feel, even though the one person that I am seeing regularly at the moment keeps telling me it's fine. We've, you know, we discussed this. You've, you've got it covered financially. We're okay for the moment. You don't have to worry about it. I, I want this for you. Do it. Please be happy. It doesn't matter because your your brain in these in in that situation can be your worst enemy, and that that's very much, you know, kind of what we're here, here talking about. Now, all of that mm. stuff, of course, is very specific to me. The redundancy side of of things. Thank you for for asking. That won't be relevant to everyone but I'm sure there's probably elements of all of that that people particularly in lockdown and, and this is the thing because of lockdown we are all spending much more time in our own heads in our own space and if you're a person who is an overthinker which is usually I think the case for people who suffer with depression and or anxiety and or stress now is not a great time to be an overthinker because you've got no one to, you know, cl click their fingers and pull you out of there. You you don't have work colleagues in the same way that you would normally to, to kind of pull you pull you out of there. So I think it can be quite a dangerous time right now mentally. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I, I certainly think it is. I think it's um, it's quite easy to let those. Um, to, to kind of let that negativity creep in in a way that that maybe you um in a way that maybe you wouldn't normally sure and even even down to um just sort of quite quite practical things within your day that um you know when you if if you do a job where you you maybe you don't have huge amounts of interactions with other people there's still a good chance that when you get up and go and make a cup of coffee you'll see someone and say you know hello how's it going even if it's just kind of uh, pleasantries those those times for interactions are, are lost 
Um, yeah. And then, you know, actually, if you do see people, you know, you might, you know, you might stand and, and drink your cup of coffee whilst you're chatting to them. Yeah. But what what I found I'm doing and, and I know from talking to other people that are doing the same is you go to make a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and two minutes later, you're back sat in front of your computer again. So where you'd have those kind of natural breaks yeah. within the day, you, you haven't you haven't really got those no um and that's that's not just a break from your work but that's a that's a break from yourself as well in a lot of ways if you're seeing other people absolutely um, yeah yeah we one of the things we've been talking about over the over the weekend a little bit is uh, as things start to get back to normal there'll be there'll obviously be lots and lots of people that will be really pleased and really happy to be able to get back to normal but i think there's going to be a there's going to be a lot of people that have you know probably probably and hopefully only in the short term become um, really quite anxious about that. And yeah. that, that there's, you know, a, I think there's a good chance that, that that's going to be really, really stressful for for lots of people that, that won't want to go back to normal. And maybe those people that, that do struggle, you know, with things like crowds and, and um, large groups of people, that's going to, that, that will feel really, really overwhelming for lots of people. Yeah, that's, that's very true. I, I, I've known that, um, uh, I, I won't name names. Uh, uh, someone I was speaking to, um, who I'm quite close to recently, when when the rules were relaxed a little around uh, social distancing, and I know that this particular person um, has been through a bit of a tough time mentally over the last couple of years and become quite um, self-isolated, if you like, um, through choice. A bit agoraphobic, to be honest. Um, finds comfort in in being at home and, and being in their own company, and that person had been making great progress in getting a little braver and going out more and 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 eating out more often and things like that. And when when the rules were relaxed the other day and we were able to see each other and we suggested that we meet up, this the person really struggled with that. It just just to get outside in a public space and um, and chat. And I thought that's such a shame. I, I perfectly understood it. I, I I say I perfectly understood it. I I I understood it. Um, yeah. And uh, and that's yeah. That that is that is really difficult. And I I guess. I mean, one of the things about anxiety is that anxiety is entirely future focused. So the the worst thing we can do is worry too much about what lies ahead. And the best thing we can do for ourselves is to try and just deal with what's happening right now i i guess that things will start to phase into something a bit like a new normality i i certainly hope so um i mean the other thing that that's that's interesting for me something that did, we no one had ever used the word zoom before and yeah. meant meeting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh I yeah, mean, blue I, jeans has got a whole new meaning right yeah yeah and, and i've got to i'll be honest i'm gonna to get told off by friends and family possibly who are listening to this now but because I am at I am no I'm not it's not that I'm okay with my own space I've got to be honest with myself here it's that the lockdown has given me license to hide away from people a bit and mm. I enjoyed that having the excuse and I, I, I if I'm honest I'm probably one of the people that that will find it difficult adjusting again to seeing lots of people even though I really miss it I want to sit in a coffee shop full of strangers I miss that so much 
at the same time, I'm kind of missing. Uh, I, I'm um, not missing at all. I I am not missing the having to gather the energy to be in company, which sometimes I really struggle with. I don't always like crowds or parties and things. Um, yeah. And when people started to suggest, oh, well, let's have a let's have a Zoom call. I was a bit like, oh, really? Because I'm kind of happy not talking to you <laughs> in the nicest possible way. And I think yeah. actually these um, I'm, I'm being um, I'm being unfair there. It there's so many ways in which I think probably online um, other online meeting forums are available, of course, and and they are they're so useful for some people to be able to connect where otherwise we're not able to make that connection right now and they're necessary in that respect but for me it doesn't take the place of an actual human conversation and I find them quite hard work and I know speaking to some of my former colleagues who are still in a corporate environment it's also it can be quite intrusive so I know that I've seen in in the the corporate system a lot of managers use it to have more of a hold than ever over employees where you know that they're now not able just to contact you but they can schedule calls and see inside your home and you don't you know we we haven't developed the language yet to say no you know cu- currently that that's just something yeah. that's happening and I, I find that as someone who didn't enjoy several parts of the corporate system anyway and find it to be quite controlling and restrictive I do worry about that culture. I hope that as soon as we go back to, or not back to normal, but into whatever the new normal looks like, I I really hope that it's not dependent on us for the rest of our lives to be accountable on a on a video platform because I find that intrusive and and not nice. Yeah. It's funny, actually. As the, uh, I don't know if this is maybe just where I work, or if this is, or if this is a pattern of other places as well. But um, the first, the first couple of weeks of lockdown, everybody seemed really, really self-conscious and worried about having cameras on. And then I think uh, we had quite a lot of people that said, "Please put your cameras on. It's really nice to see other people." and you know it's 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 good to to kind of be able to yeah to see people and and that type of thing which people mainly did i think and and you know with good uh and did that in good faith yeah over the over the last few weeks i mean i've just stopped putting mine on now but i've i've noticed that loads of other people have as well and i think it's because we've i don't know i we've, we've probably all just got a little bit um over the novelty of being able to see people on camera and, and and as you said, it doesn't replace seeing people. It doesn't replace that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know the kind of the, the the physical element of it just by being able to see someone's face on a screen. Absolutely. I, that, I mean, that's my feeling on it. There's probably other, like I say, I'm sure there are instances where it's been essential to people's feeling of yeah. connection. So I'm I'm sure that a lot of good has been done with it. But it's just one, you know, it, it's something that's been new. And the reality is that we recorded the first podcast. It's got to be somewhere around a year ago that we yeah. actually recorded it long before we had any idea that this was coming around the corner. 
So yeah. the world's a very different place. So it's, yeah. So if if I was thinking about this before we recorded this session, that and and we don't, I don't yet know as as we have this conversation whether this will be the next episode that we make live. But if it seems in any way disjointed from the last one, that's because things got really crazy <laughs> in between the last one and the last three months. Of... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's funny yeah. though. You say you say about things have, have you know changed quite dramatically in the last three months but one of the one of the um one of the things we talked about in that original conversation what uh, and that you said that you're really keen to get to the bottom of was those feelings of dread around social events yeah yes um but that's obviously that's obviously something that's still there for you yes and maybe um has been is is exacerbated by the current situation yeah most definitely i mean i don't yet want to think about even just having a conversation about it makes me a little bit anxious and this is crazy like for someone who can stand on stage and and sing in front of people that doesn't give me a a problem but they're having to be i find it a real energy drain being in busy public situations i don't know why i don't know i don't know what that i'm not entirely sure what that problem is it's i tell you in answer to your question it certainly hasn't got any better because i haven't been able to practice it so i'm i will i gave you an example before of someone who's gone backwards a bit actually i've gone backwards a bit that's that's Mm. fair to say i mean i can't tell you that with absolute certainty because i've got no opportunity to test it out at the moment but um i yeah, I, I, the selfish part of me is is thinking, well, I don't have to worry about this yet. So I'm, I am probably regressing. Um, mm. I would think. Yeah, that's... is the is it the? I, I don't know if it is the case for you. I, I'll certainly, um, certainly know that that other people have have said this to me that that it's that anxiety bef- before it. Once you're actually out and about, it's fine. Um, that if it's that, then it then there's such there's such a longer run in now for that anxiety to be thinking about those things, to be thinking about it broadly. But then actually, if you've got specific things coming up, that that's going to gather, that's got yes. to gather a lot of weight. That's very true. And actually you, yeah, you, that's a, such a good point. So I find that it is, it is always the anticipation that is worse than the event. But at my, at times when I have been, so when I was feeling particularly stressed over the last couple of years and, and had to attend, had to attend, I wasn't forced at gunpoint, when I was attending nice parties with friends, with, with neighbours, things like that, but I wasn't dealing with it very well. Um, the anticipation was worse, but then it, at the worst, at my lowest points, the anticip- I could be fine in one conversation, but the anticipation that that conversation might end and then i would have to find the energy to speak enthusiastically to a different person oh yeah so i i could you know that that's i'm sure i'm not alone in that i've i've found that was really difficult but again it is it is that anticipation and i heard um there's a there's a wonderful book that i recommend it isn't actually a mental health book it is i guess i know this term is loaded with (laughs) <laughs> it's it's loaded full stop there's something that's sort of kind of frowned about or, or or laughed about but it it's a self-help book i guess you are a badass by jen sincero um i can't remember if i referenced this on the last one or if it's something we've discussed before but it's a book that i found really helpful in terms of 
helping you regain a bit of confidence in terms of what you want to do with your life. But in, I can't remember if it's in that book of hers or one of the follow-ups to it, but she talks about being never overwhelmed, N-O-W. And she, she rightly pointed out that if you're just dealing with the now, i.e. don't worry about what you did earlier because that's mm. already happened. Don't worry about what's coming ahead because you can't, necessarily affect that yeah just enjoy the moment that you're in and try to make the best out of that moment that you're in right now and if you're focused on the now then you won't become overwhelmed that's like um that book there's a buddhist proverb i don't know what exactly what it is but it is something along the lines of if you if you can do something about it do something about it if you can't do anything about it don't worry about it right there you go i've spoken like the dalai lama himself (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, no, it's i think that's that is that's a great and, and we even used to talk about this um in my old job that you can only control what's in your control yeah. don't worry about the stuff that's outside it and i mean that the, there is on days when i'm feeling particularly strong and brave and ready to take on the world i sort of think well no that's you you can do more you can affect you know if you want to affect stuff that currently feels outside of your control you can find ways to change a system or to change someone else's opinion or what you know whatever it is the the battle that you fancy tackling and that's fine but in the context of someone who is perhaps struggling with depression or anxiety or you know again that that i'm sure there are other subcategories of of the different low mood things we're talking about and that's very much our topic it isn't necessarily healthy to be worrying about those things that the it comes it often comes back for me to the whole you've got to get yourself healthy before you can expect to help anyone else you know if if you if you are not in one piece then you are of less utility to the person next to you than you would be if you got your own stuff sorted first and that is i mean that that's something that's very much called into question right now in a world where for lots of reasons on the topic of race on the topic of politics on the you know it's been a very volatile world over the last few years the you know there's often the question goes through my head do i need today to find extra energy to to fight the good fight and there are days when i feel like yeah i i can and i will and there's days when i think i can't i can barely get out of bed today um Uh. and just just to give that a little bit of context because there might be i'm sure there's probably a mixed audience listening to this if you haven't suffered with depression or any of the you know connected issues before you might struggle to understand that concept, the idea of not being able to get out of bed. And this touches on another topic that I wanted to bring up with you. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about in a moment or two about the generation gap. But if you haven't experienced these things before, I would forgive you for thinking, what oh, do you mean you can't get out of bed? You know, you just get out of bed. You've got to get on with it. And that, that's easier said than done because the nature of these things is that you have an injury essentially um, in, in your brain and if you had an injury in your leg, you wouldn't expect someone to walk in the same way that, that someone without the injury could walk. Depression, anxiety, all of these things, they affect your brain in a way that means you, you cannot, you are not capable of doing the same things 
as someone who is not encumbered with that thing. And it's complex. It's a really difficult thing. It's not, we talked about this on the last um, episode, but it's not as easy to identify as a fracture in a bone. And that makes it really difficult. And that does mean that there might be people out there who talk of having low mood symptoms who are more affected than others and some who are significantly less affected than others. And you'll never really know the answer to whether they are or not. But it's definitely true. I, I can tell you I had a real dip last, not the weekend just gone, but the one before that. I was in such a low place. I was, I became tearful and I didn't, I just wanted to get back into bed. And it took every fibre of my being just to pull it together and have a conversation that day. And it was, it was a, um, it was just a, uh, a build-up of all of all that's going on in the world at the moment and of the frustration and the lack of stimulation and all of these, you know, all, all of these things. It just got too much for me. Mm. Um, and uh, and I had to, to kind of to, to touch on that. Before we finish this podcast, um, I, I think before we get to the end of this, one of the things that we should talk about is ways that we, we are currently dealing with some of those challenges. But before we get there, and you, you've I'm sure got other bits that you want to talk about as well. But one thing that I just wanted to touch on, um, I had a conversation with an older person who's, a let's say, a generation apart from me recently, someone who I know extremely well and have a huge amount of um, respect for and we were having this discussion I, I was kind of I, I suspect that this person um, suffers from a little bit of depression and, and I was suggesting you know there may be things that you could do to improve that it might be worth you talking to someone whether that is a, a seeking some therapy or going to see a life coach or just talking to your GP or something like that you know I, I think that you could be happier than you are at the moment and the person was in full agreement that, yes, they did have something that needed probably looking at, but they were reluctant to do so on the grounds that they were of a generation that doesn't do that. Yeah. And the, the the words, I think, I'm paraphrasing now, but were, it's all right for you. Your generation talks about this stuff, but we don't. And... Yeah that's not that's one person saying the words of many 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 other people i know that there are lots of people it's it's not just a generational thing i think that it's also it depends on the culture the society that you've grown up around your comfortableness with speaking about these things and at the point of having that conversation i i got quite annoyed because i was thinking you're just kind of exacerbating the problem by not they were kind of trying to shut the conversation down and I was thinking yeah but you need we need to be able to talk more about these things you can't just use your generation as an excuse and then I thought about where they were coming from and, and it's not that many generations ago that if you were experiencing some of these symptoms you could end up in a and I don't know if this is the correct term but you could end up in an insane asylum yeah you you were you know you you were locked up. You were put in a straitjacket, 
And yeah. you, you didn't have to be... Um, it's not that difficult to get sectioned. Absolutely, it's it, exactly right. E- even now, it's not that yeah. you know, it's not that difficult if someone wanted to do it to to be sectioned. And I suddenly kind of understood that there is a reason why the generations before us are uncomfortable talking about this stuff. And I guess I just I just wanted to bring that out today because I think one of it really reminded me of the importance. Of, I don't want to say the importance of this podcast, but the importance certainly of talking about mental health issues and saying it loud and proud not proud to have it necessarily but proud to be able to have the conversation openly that's why it's so important we need to make this really really normal for people comfortable for people and i know Mm. that just since we put the last episode out last week i've had tons more people speaking to me about it than they had previously so thank you to those people massive massive thanks to those people and definitely keep it going liam and i are not medical professionals we will not tell you at any point that we've got the answers but just to be having the conversation and to to have some hopefully intelligent debate around it you know and conversation back and forth can only be a a good thing so i just wanted to call that out liam that was all yeah that's that's really good that um that's that's the whole point of what we want to get out of this isn't it absolutely if if it opens a door to conversations and nothing else then you know whether that's helping somebody um feel empowered to to raise things about themselves or to ask questions about someone they know or just just a, a sort of broader understanding of it yeah and um hopefully with that comes some acceptance that it's that it's something that affects a, a huge amount of people and um yeah the it, it's it, it's going to be different for everybody and and that's generational and personal genders you know across across all sort of ranges of people but mm-hmm. we we need to try and find a way to just have more conversations about it normalize where we can yeah and and i think that one thing that we can that we can try and do and i don't want to segue clumsily into all of the many many other things as a planet that we are facing right now you know whether it's the environment whether it is systematic cruelty of any kind the one thing that we can do is make sure that we're handing something better to the next generation than what we were handed and i don't i don't say that in disrespect to the people before us some things you know, there's nothing. You can't change what's happened before, but you can certainly be a spokesperson for what comes next. And you know, I, I really encourage anyone who's listening to this who has felt that mental health issues are not something that you can talk about in everyday scenarios to to rethink that. You know, you would talk about it if you had food poisoning. You wouldn't be afraid to phone up and and have a sick day. I say it's no different if you if you know genuinely that you're suffering then you know you you equally need time to recover from that I think and that that recovery time is something that I've also thought about right Liam a question for you when when does so let's call it the duvet day so that much needed we've let's say we've established that we are a person with depression let's just go for that and uh, we have gone through quite a high stress period and we are being kind to ourselves and saying, I acknowledge that I am maxed out. I've, I'm done. I've, I'm at full capacity. I can go no further. I am now entitled to 
some recovery time. I'm entitled to that duvet day. Fine, no argument there. At, yeah. at what point does that duvet day cease to become useful? Can you have too much of a good thing? Um, that's that's a really difficult. That's a really difficult question. Um, <laughs> I I can only speak on my own personal experiences with that, and I think you know for me, um, that probably can, that has been in the past useful for a few days, maybe a couple of occasions where it's been uh, where it where it's been slightly longer than that. Yeah. I don't think it would. I don't think it would be great for me to do it from for anything longer than a a week or certainly a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I think even if yeah, I think even a week, I'd I'd probably it'd be too easy for me to stay in that pattern of doing it. Yeah. The challenge would then become breaking out of it. Sure. So I think I might need it as a mental rest. Um, but then, but then need to try to at least be getting up and getting on with some things not not necessarily just getting up and going back to work if you kind of remove the work element out of it but you know to be getting up and looking after yourself and eating you know eating good food and cooking food and taking time to go outside and get fresh air um you know do the things that you do the things that you like doing yeah um, and the things that offer some some more distraction from it, but that are maybe a little bit more proactive. Yeah. You know, if that's for me, is you know, playing playing a guitar or you know, going out running, playing football, um, you know, even playing video games is is like quite good as a as a distraction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, cooking, create lots of creative things, um, but alongside stuff like getting up and getting dressed makes a big difference to my mental health. Yes. And yeah. I think that's one of the things I've probably found going back to what we were saying earlier about never putting the camera on, on work calls anymore. Yeah. Um, is that I'm, you know, bumbling around the house in shorts and t-shirt, uh, every day for the last, uh, the last month because I haven't been bothered to get dressed properly. Yeah. Uh, has a, does have a massive impact actually on, on how I feel about myself. Yeah. I've got, I shaved, uh, I normally have a beard. I shaved my beard off in the first or second week of lockdown. Did you? And yeah, yeah, yeah. But I look like a Yeti again now. So uh, I did mine the other day. I have no idea that you, yeah, was, was this oh, is what we lockdown have, we does We should have done you. a pre or, or a, a without beard photo for the podcast we as well. should shouldn't we i didn't want anyone to see my face i'd forgotten what my face looked like and i was curious and uh, i'm no I longer curious so mine looks awful i'll send you a picture tom <laughs> i send you a picture we're not going to publish yeah. them though right <laughs> no i think that's that's um that's a really helpful set of observations on how how it affects you and i, and I, I suppose also yeah where do you sit where do you sit with that well I mean, th this is where I'm. I'm always harping on about how mental health just means health. It doesn't. It's not a diff. You know, it's still part of your body. But mm. the one thing that is different is how intricate and different it is from person to person in the way that you deal with it. So there isn't a right answer. I, I didn't ask that question thinking that there would be an answer. I was just genuinely curious to to know what you think. But I know for me, I. 
a couple of weekends ago was feeling a bit burnt out and I allowed myself some recovery time and that was mm. great because and I and I no buts no ifs that's that's okay it's okay to yeah. do that you know yeah, um, I think we're, we're both big advocates for that and that was great to begin with I started to sense that um, on that particular day my brain just wouldn't leave something alone I can't remember what it was but I started to spiral and actually I, I realized that that rest itself was becoming a little bit of a, a prison. You, so you talked yeah. about that one of the important things that you've actually just called out actually is rest doesn't necessarily mean lying in bed the whole time. It might have a bit of that, but it doesn't, yeah. you know, you just said football, cooking, think, things that have got you on your feet, you know. And I think I went a little bit too far the other way. And what I found was actually I became worse for it. I was getting really... I was getting really miserable. Um, yeah. And um, and again, it's just no one needs to, to worry about this. I genuinely think it's just been really tough lately. There's so much going on in the world. Lockdown has been difficult for all of us. And on this particular day, I had set out to relax, but I found that that relaxation actually wasn't my friend. And I think that the part of the reason I wanted to ask the question and, and just discuss this one was because I mm. think one of the things about mental health is no one outside of you can really tell you how you're doing. And what that means is it's so important for you to get in tune with yourself and to be able to try to spot what mood you're in. Mm. Uh, because on that particular day, I reached a point where I thought, this is no good. And I'm doing this to myself. And actually, all, all I, the first thing I did, Cara said, could you help me move something? She wanted to move a big, heavy flower pot. Uh, it was a big, heavy flower pot. A flower pot it suggests it was a very small item. It was rather large. And I had to get up and I had to physically, you know, heave this thing from one part of the garden to the, the other. That tiny, tiny act of but a few seconds mm. changed my whole perception of the world. It was, I don't know if it was a chemical release. I don't know if it was because I've been yanked out of my, you know, whatever I was in, my fug whatever for whatever the reason that moving from inactivity to activity really really helped so i think that it's important to be able to get better and we mm. touched on this on the first episode that the the kind of art of knowing when you are depressed or knowing that you need some rest or something like that i think it's equally important to know all of your moods and to, to really get in touch with yourself and i would suggest that anyone who is struggling with low mood symptoms that one of the things that you do is if you're feeling low try before you before you try and move away from it to try and just spend a bit of time understanding what that looks like and get better at spotting that. Because I think the easiest, it, it's much easier to be able to take action and to change what you're doing in a positive way if yeah. you're able to spot what's going on in your, in your brain. Mm. Um, so that was important for me. Yeah, I, I think, for, yeah, again, it's, you know, it's only really for me, but that kind of being in bed and just watching telly or something like that it, it's good because it gives it, you know it does give you a rest from things yeah but it's i find it's really easy to for my mind to drift when i'm doing that yeah whereas if i'm doing something you know a bit more 
that I'm a bit more engaged with, whether it is, you know, cooking or um, or playing video games or something like that, you are, and it's where video games is for all of their ills, when you're playing them, you are completely in the moment. Yeah. So you're not thinking about anything else. Your mind isn't drifting anywhere else. Whereas some of the other more, you know, creative things that I really like doing, if I'm playing guitar, I can quite easily get lost in what I'm doing on the guitar, but equally I can get lost in my own thoughts as well. Mm. Yeah, sure, sure. So it's about that, you know, almost finding the right task for to fit what will help you at that time. Yeah. That's, that yeah. takes a lot of experimenting as well to find the right things. But cooking's good because cooking, you've got cooking's to be great. paying attention to what you're doing, otherwise you're going to chop your finger off. So Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's yeah, a kind of physical need to, to be to remain present throughout yeah. as well. I think cooking for me has got the right balance of you do need to concentrate on it, but you can probably just give enough of your brain away to listen to a good audio book or a podcast or some music or something. So it's it's yeah. kind of it's a great thing. And just to be clear, because some some people you say cooking, they think right, well I can't cook, so that's out the window. I can't cook either, mm. but I can. I've got better at following a recipe, and I haven't killed anyone yet. And actually. The yeah. more I do it, the more I start yeah, to enjoy yeah. it. And I'm I'm getting there, but I used to be terrible. And I still make some, you know, the, the odd complete uh, mess. But um, mm. it, it's, yeah, I, I do recommend cooking. I think that's yeah. a Yeah, I, I should be clear. One. I am also just following a recipe. <laughs> I'm very good at following a recipe now. But, um, yeah, there's, there's very little creativity beyond how I chop a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's something we need to tackle maybe we, we should try and find the most creative way to chop a carrot that's uh, yeah that's something we could do for the next one yeah the, all the tough issues being covered here on the everyday problems podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i i know i think we're, we're approaching i guess the hour point on this recording yeah one of the last things that i wanted to discuss we, we spend an awful lot of time talking about depression what if anything are there any particular things that you are finding helpful to do right now to combat it it's so difficult because we've been in this sort of you know very odd situation for the last three months that um that everything feels so sort of tightly knit tightly knitted to to that yeah so we had a sort of spell where we were doing yoga every day and we were doing fitness things every day Great. and then we had a we spent the last month watching the american office which is basically all we've done and and sitting out in the sun because the weather up until this week had been lovely uh which is ironic because we've just taken this week off work and the rains come <laughs> yeah how typical yeah but, um yeah it's there's sort of been been kind of different patterns of things that we've been doing that that seem to be in line with what other people have been doing but but nothing, I can't really pinpoint anything that, that's been good other than I definitely notice on the days when I don't go outside. Right. That I don't feel as good or the days that I don't, the days and the weeks I haven't done any exercise, I don't feel as good. The days and the weeks I've been boozing more, I, I don't feel as good. So, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely the, the things for me to do is to just be mindful about um, making sure that I've, that I get outside at least once a day, um, you know, doing exercise at least a couple of times a week and sure. and having some 
some clean days, some dry days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. From the booze as well, because that's um, yeah, that's that's definitely been high on the list of uh, lockdown entertainment. Well, hasn't it? Yeah, it's true. How okay. about for you? Well, yeah, I mean, I I've been. I find I I think because of not having I mean I've been busy this is the thing about not being employed anymore the implication there is that then you're not doing anything I've been really I've never been so busy in terms of you know trying to do a little bit of all of the creative things that I set out to do so I have been busy but because I have because I'm the manager of my own time now and I don't have um, other people coming to me with the distraction from my own thoughts. I think I've had to deliberately employ methods to to keep myself in a in a better place. Um, yeah. And I've found. I mean, the first thing that I would say is walking. Like you, walking has been great. It's so funny how myself and and my wife live in a place. We live out in the countryside, and we have so many beautiful walks where we literally come out of our front door either turn left or right and you're off which is wonderful it took lockdown and the limiting of our exercise to one hour a day to actually make us go out for once a day we started doing walking once a day when lockdown hit i don't know why we weren't doing that before you know we'd probably go out for a walk once a well we would because it's one of our things once a week we go out for a really good walk but we weren't really doing it during the week and that's one thing that i will keep after lockdown that that um we tend to do it at the end of the day and it's a great way for us to just kind of take a deep breath discuss what we've been up to that day reflect it's it's a really nice little process to go through so that's kind Mm. of the end of the day stuff and it does help with the weather at the moment but actually, the other things that I've been doing that I've been finding helpful is I have, I think routine can be your enemy. If you've been doing the same thing for a long time and it's not working, you need to know that you've got to change that routine. You've got to find the strength, the energy to do something differently. Routine can be your worst enemy, particularly if you are someone who suffers with depression. Um, I have been told and I'm, I'm a firm believer in that having said that, finding a routine that really works for you is can be really fantastic. So I've been setting my alarm for half seven in the morning. I get up and I do exercise first thing. So I'll do like a, a little cardio exercise for about 25 minutes. Um, I meditate for a few minutes after that for as long as I feel. Meditation is something that is new to me and I've thoroughly enjoyed it and it's taken practice and it continues to take practice and it isn't easy to do but I highly yeah. recommend it and perhaps how long have you been doing it Tom and uh, say it's not new to you um oh I would say I started doing something that it would be a bit like meditation about maybe 18 months ago when I was reading uh frazzled by ruby wax and she was talking about mindful oh, yeah. practices that's a great book uh, so that she's w- a big meditator, isn't she? she oh, massively, massively. Yeah. And and I can't remember whether she, because her the topic of the book is being more mindful, that was more about being in the moment than allowing the moment to transport you anywhere. But that was the first time I'd yeah. ever tried to sit still and be quiet and just listen mm. 
for any length of time. So I guess that was the first kind of thing. But the 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 sort of progression from that sitting and being quiet and listening to your breathing and, and letting your thoughts go where they need to go and, and maybe trying to focus them on something. That's probably this year. I would say it's probably probably the start of maybe the end of last year. Um and it isn't easy to do because there's always noise from somewhere. I've I've mm. done it with earplugs in before now that helps. Um but and yeah, do you, do you like a guided meditation or is it just just yourself? I've done both. I've done both. So I find that guided meditations can be absolutely fantastic, but I often forget, particularly that time in the morning. Sometimes I've left my phone upstairs because I come straight down. If I if I if the alarm goes off and I deliberate for too long, I won't want to get out of bed. But right. if if the alarm goes off and I swing my legs out of bed and just get get down the stairs, that I don't give myself any time to think about it and then I'm on my way, which is great, but I sometimes forget my phone, so I'm just left to my own devices. So the reason I exercise after, uh, sorry, I meditate after exercise is I find it quite helpful when my heartbeat is raised and I can focus mm. on that and feeling my own heartbeat and my elevated breathing. And I find that that in itself leads me into quite a meditative state. Uh, listeners, um, neither, I, I think it's fairly clear that neither Liam nor I are tutors in the art of meditation. However, this is, you know, something that we that we are working on and these are the ways that we've been going about it. Perhaps that that's probably an episode we could do is, is all about meditation. What does it mean? Does it work? Yeah. How it works? That, that's something we could talk about. But yeah, that that's how I've been getting into it. And I, and I will sit, if, if I manage to get into a, um, a meditative state, I will tend to try a bit of visualization so thinking about things that I want out of the day and I quite often find that if if I have a really good one that when it's finished and I, I get up and I go and shower and I make the coffees to take upstairs th it continues it's like I've opened the door and the, the thoughts continue in their way and, and I'm finding answers to stuff while I'm making the coffee or while I'm while I'm showering and I'll have ideas about things I should be doing that day that's taken time to get to that point and there's days when I, I can't do it there's days when it just doesn't work like that but there's days when it really does and that's that's great that's really that's that's fun that's kind of exciting I find it useful is this is this something that you have had much practice at Liam uh yeah so I've um I started with um Headspace yes which is the app yeah uh, so good. guided meditation I started with that about a year ago um and I was doing it in the, I was doing it in the morning um, when I was getting the, when I was driving to Bristol and getting the park and ride into the city. But then when I started getting the train, it was a little bit more difficult. So I've kind of stopped doing it in the daytime so much. But I do it at the end of the day. I, I basically do the sleep meditations to go to sleep at night. Great, yeah, sure. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, I really love it. It's really, it's really helped me. And certainly at the end of the day, I've always, I'm, I'm, I'm not a particularly great sleeper anyway. Yeah. Um, but I'd, yeah, for a long time, it would take me a long, long time to get off at night. Whereas that is, um, is, is sort of brilliant that you have, um, the last 10, 15 minutes of your day, you're just pretty much following your breath. Um, yeah. it's all you're really doing. And that's, that's a really good way of, sort of switching off at the end of the day for me so it definitely works well for me great yeah 
and um, there's lots of really good, you know, I know that there's, uh, there's, there's, there's obviously lots of different apps available, but, f- but for me, Headspace has been, um, been really, really great. We should, um, we should make a point of putting those in the notes. So I'm, that's, uh, that's something we'll do. We'll put some details in there about good apps and things. There are quite a lot available. I know Calm is another one that's very good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know a few people that have, um, spoke really highly of that and, and it, have used that overhead space so yeah i'm sure it's you know down to sort of people's individual preferences with that thank you everybody for listening to this fortnightly episode of the everyday problems podcast uh, an apology we did say we were going to try and get this out as a weekly thing and then some real life stuff got in the way that is by nature an everyday problem um, we're going to try and get these out once a fortnight now if we can we might slide in the odd bonus one a little bit quicker if you want to support us you can go to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash Tom Corneal. I'll put something in the show notes so you can find it and you can sponsor us uh, to keep the show running to cover the cost. You can read more about that at patreon.com forward slash Tom Corneal. Thanks again for all your support and we'll speak to you again soon. Mm-hmm.